Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please, enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Well, I think we need to make a start. And actually today I hand over, who's steering us through and leading our worship uh, service today, is Hello, everyone. Welcome to our morning. And uh, we look forward to having another exceptional time together as we meet on Zoom. And that we always uh, find that the Lord is with us and he inspires us. And uh, he gives us different kinds of uh, things to share. So um, why should this morning be any different? Now, um, I'm sure some of you anyway will remember that it's Mother's Day today. And so I wondered if we could start by asking some of the uh, daughters or sons of mothers if they would like to say one or two things about what they appreciate um, about their mum. So, um, who can I see? Emily, I can see you. I can see Jessica. I can see you, Olivia. I can see Thomas. What do you what do you like about your mum, Thomas? What's what's good about your mum? Is she kind? Oh, shrugging shoulders. Is she kind? Shrugging shoulders. Oh dear. Oh, you're shy. Someone else. Who else have we got who can tell us? Yeah, Jess. What do you think about your mum? I think that she's very very good because she gets she cooks us food and she loves us. That's awesome. Oh, brilliant. Someone else, Emily and May. Have you got any kind words to say about your mum? She makes me food. Makes you food. Food. Yes. I hope it's nice food. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, what about you, um, Olivia? What do you like about your mum? What are you? She tickles me endlessly. <laughs> oh no! Oh dear. Um, so, any more, Louise? What would you like to say about your mum? Um, I was saying that um, my mum coming here for lunch today. It's just a special one. Oh, that's nice. That's a special good. lunch for your mum. My mum is a bed in my Oh, very good. Thank you, Jonathan. And um, Amelia, while you're chewing, can you think of something that you really appreciate about your mum? She's not, Sue. She doesn't want to. Thank you. Okay, okay. But Alex, they are lovely children, and I'm sure <laughs> very much. So, um, thank you, because actually, the Lord, our God, is our Father. But it has a mother's part, side to him as well. He cares for us like a tender mother. <laughs> uh, together to um, praise God and thank him for uh, being our parents. Um, uh, just appreciate being loved and cared for by our Heavenly Father. So, uh, okay. So, dear Heavenly Father, we come together to you uh, this morning as your church, Lord. And you love us and care for us just like a mother looks after her family. That's uh, us, we're your family, Lord. And so this morning, we come, we thank you for the mothers and for all the uh, time they spend 
and the uh, devotion they give to looking after their families. Uh, we thank you because that's come from your heart, Lord. That's what you wanted. Uh, you wanted us human beings to live in families and to uh, care for each other and learn how it is that we make sacrifices for one another and how we care about others, not just about ourselves. So here we are today, Lord, your church. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right then, so uh, we're ready to start our family time. And hopefully we've got some readers who are going to start recapping what we've been doing in family time with them. Are we ready to start? Uh, we've been talking about fire in family time. We're carrying on that theme today. So are we ready, readers? Are we ready? In family time, we have been thinking about fire in the Bible. We started by thinking about how God met with Moses in a fire. God spoke to Moses from a bush that was born in fire. God told Moses to go to Egypt and rescue God's people from slavery. Next, Justin told us the story of how Moses led God's people out of Egypt. God himself came down in a fire to protect them from the Egyptian army. They crossed the Red Sea. The fire stayed with them every night as they walked all the way to a country God had promised them to give. Then Amelia told us about volcanoes. The mountain called Sinai, Sinai was on fire, just like a volcano. From the, there, God spoke to Moses and gave him the ten commandments. Commandments. God's people kept walking. God led them on their journey to the promised land. He was always present beside him. In the daytime, in the daytime, he was in a cloud, and at night he was he was there in the pillar of fire. After a long time, they reached a river called the River Jordan, and they crossed over the river into the country God had promised them. They settled down and time went by. But they began to forget about God and they forgot the way he had led them and looked after them. God was sad and disappointed. A foreign, a foreign army began to steal all their food. This went on for seven years. Finally, it got so bad that they went down on their, that they got down on their knees and asked God to help them. God answered their prayers. So thank you, children. Brilliant reading. So God's people settled down in the country that God had given them. Uh, they started farming and growing their crops. And things went well for a while. But then they began to forget about God and the commandments he had given them. They forgot about the festivals and they even began worshipping other gods. Then things began to go wrong for the Libya A group of people called the Midianites began attacking them and taking their food. They had to hide away in caves. This continued for seven years, as Olivia said. In their desperation and their hunger, God's people began to pray 
and they cried out to the Lord for help. Of course, God heard their prayer. Now Gideon was a young man who was trying to hide his food when he had an unexpected visitor. An angel suddenly appeared and told him that he was going to be used by God to clear out these Midianites. What? Gideon had never thought of such a thing. He was only a young boy and he wanted to be absolutely certain that this was true. So he asked if the angel of the Lord would wait while he prepared a meal offering. I'll wait, said the angel. Gideon was as quick as he could be, but it takes quite a long time to prepare a meal. He brought out the meal. Put it on the rock over there, the angel of the Lord said. With the tip of his staff, with the tip of his staff, the angel of the Lord touched the meal and the unleavened bread. Immediately, fire flared up from the rock. The food was burned up and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Now, what does this teach us about God? Well, it teaches that he listens to us. He wants to help us when things get difficult and he cooperates with us. The angel of the Lord agreed to wait while Gideon got the dinner ready, but he then asked Gideon to cooperate with him when he told Gideon, put the food on the rock. God is so powerful. He wants to work with us and he likes to surprise us. Amen. So shall we hand over to Claire now and then we can uh, have some time of worship together. Thank you, Claire. Good, good morning, everyone. Um, uh, when, when thinking about what, what to share for this time, uh, I was thinking about March because we're in the month of March now. And uh, I don't know if you know the saying that says March, it comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I suppose it's sort of uh, the weather at the beginning of March is somewhat chilly. And then by, by the end of March, um, it's nice and warm and sunny and lovely. Um, and, uh, and I was just th thinking about this and I thought that's quite an interesting thing because Easter as well often occurs in March. Uh, and then we think about the sacrificial lamb and the Lion of Judah, I suppose. Uh, sometimes it's in April, but it's uh, quite often in March as well. So um, what, what it reminded me, the lion, um, it, um, I had this sort of picture of um, Aslan when Aslan came into Narnia and bounded in and, and saved saved them all from the the, uh, the, the queen that uh, that kept their hearts cold, um, and it just sort of reminded me of like throwing off the shadows of winter. You know, we've all been hibernating away in our houses for more more than one reasons, and um, you know, in March the spring comes life begins to grow again everything was dormant is coming alive and again we've got a new hope we've got covid it's the limits are uh, the are being lifted slowly restrictions are going and it just reminds me about jesus when jesus comes into our lives 
and he gives us hope and salvation and a new chance and it's like something fresh uh, expectations and just a few verses that st struck me um ephesians it says wake up sleeper rise from the dead and christ will shine on you and then in isaiah shine shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord rises upon you see darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people but the lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you nations will come to your light and kings uh, to the brightness of your dawn and then in Isaiah 43, it says, behold, I do a new thing. Now all shall spring forth. Uh, shall you not know it? I will make the roads in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. And it just reminds me a lot in a way about um, what Martin's been talking about, what we've been talking about in community wise. This is time to rise up uh, and, uh, you know, to, to sort of expectations and hope. Uh, and the song that we're going to sing is, is about being, um, behold, he comes. Uh, and, and just to kind of enter into that with hope and expectations. And afterwards, if you can just speak out a prayer about rising up, uh, new opportunities, new hope. What new hope has God give, given to each one of us um, after we've sung it? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a new hope, Lord. Thank you for the spring that comes, Lord. Thank you that you are the spring that's in our heart that lifts us up, Lord. We just want to praise you. Thank you for the hope um, of the future, Lord. You haven't left us, even though we felt a little bit squashed up in uh, in lockdown and in, in during winter lord but you are there and you have brought light and love to us we just praise you lord amen and lord just like gideon lord uh we offer our food as it were to you but actually you don't want our food it gets burned up you don't want what we got uh you want to give us lord you want to give us salvation and you want to give us new hope. You want to give us abilities uh, that we don't have. You want to give us a vision for your future with you. Lord, uh, we thank you, Lord. We give you, uh, as it were, what we have, but it's pitiful. <laughs> Lord, what you bring is amazing. And uh, that line of that song, behold, he comes. Lord, we thank you that you come to us and uh, you use us in uh, so many ways lord we thank you father for uh being the great and mighty god that you are amen mm. Thank you, Lord, that um, what really distinguishes believers from non-believers is hope, that ours is a living hope, a life-changing hope, an eternal hope. It's not a wishful thinking hope that the world so often embraces, but ours is solid, built on a firm foundation and uh, something that will be fully realised when we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. 
We thank you, Lord, that as we've given our life to you, you have given us new hope in you, Lord, that the old things, some are painful and deep regrets and everything, but we have this new life in you. The old has gone and the new has come and is coming in different ways. And no, we've there's been negativities. They've been brought to positive and we see new life happening, new ideas coming. Um, as you change the world and shake it all up, Lord, and we just pray that we will be um, able to follow in your footsteps into this new life, Lord, and do what you want, our bits, so to speak, and know that with all assurance that that is the way for us, each personal one. In Jesus' name, amen. It occurs to me, I've been mulling over this just for the last few days, that we can look out of the world through eyes that see the world just as it is with all the different uh, resources that we have, but all the negatives that we might have to work through. And we can think about the future by weighing up what lies around us. The Lord constantly says, but factor me into your situation. Factor me into uh, your life, into your future. But things, and I began to think of things which we find uh, we struggle with, but with God, he, he makes them possible. So God turns the, the, the impossible into the possible he makes the crooked straight um he he when we have a heavy burden he shares our load and carries it with us so i want to thank you lord that with you in the midst everything becomes different and i pray father that you will in this season we're reminded through the springtime of it we're, we're reminded because the situation in the land seems to be opening up and changing and these are like uh signs to us signs pointing away but lord we don't want to look to the change in the weather or the change in government regulations for our hope as as we've already been reminded lord we look to you for our hope you are the one that makes all the difference so lord lift our hearts i pray and as we lift them up to you in jesus name amen amen So I've also, um, I was also thinking about uh, the, the lamb side of things <laughs> after the lion and the lamb. And we think about the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, and it particularly, it, it, we remember communion. And also, you know, the sacrifice is also, um, we remember the price for our freedom, um, a, a heavy price that was paid that really we, 
we need to see how precious that is. And I was reading um, Mark 4, and for the first time, I, I um, the story about the woman who touched Jesus um, really struck me in a completely different way. It was um, it was quite profound. Um, if you remember, she was um, walking, I, I assume, behind him, and uh, she's unclean. She's got this um, issue from her, and uh, in those days, it was unclean to be in, in company. So she was there secretively, and um, she, she just reached out and she touched him. Uh, and, you know, something I think we all need to do is to reach out and touch the Lord. And we need to reach out and to be healed from the sort of seeping wounds that we have inside us. These often, often these wounds, they make us feel unclean because they're from the past. They make us feel un unacceptable towards the Lord. But Jesus died that we would be acceptable to him. And something that really struck me um, I read, who touched me? And then I was just sort of thinking about that. And then I heard in my head, who touched me? And I said, Claire. And it was a tremendous, I can't tell you, I didn't have any weird feelings or anything, but it was a tremendous realisation um, that Jesus wanted me to say out loud, it was me. And it was just, it was amazing. I, I think it did something amazing in me. And and, um, and I just thinking about that woman, Jesus turned around to her and he, he didn't want her just to disappear. He wanted to know her. He didn't want her just to sneak up there and sneak a blessing and go away. And, you know, all, we all need to reach out and touch him and um, not sneak a blessing and say, here I am, Lord, it's me, I'm Claire, or whoever you are, and and reach out and, and touch him. And there's this lovely old song that, that really, uh, I remember when we used to sing it in the old days, uh, and the words are, he touched me, and oh, what joy has filled my heart. Something happened deep inside. He touched me and made me whole. And that's the thing of touching Jesus. It's in the stillness that we know him, not just, oh, I know Jesus, but we know him in our depth. And, um, you know, I just uh, we're going to sing a song now. Um, and then just after we've sung uh, two songs together, if we just sort of like to thank Jesus for how he's touched us, be grateful, be so grateful because he touches Every day he's changing us and touching us. And, you know, particularly in communion, we can bring all our rubbish to the Lord and he can touch us and take that seeping stuff away. So, um, Ellie, if you'd play the other, the next songs. Thank you, Lord, that you just... Bring us to the still waters, Lord, where you restore our souls. I just thank you, Lord, that uh, every time we come to you, you will restore us. And we need that restoration, Lord, the things we do to ourselves and each other, Lord. We just need to bask in your loveliness and uh, those still waters. And thank you that you're there for us uh, whenever we take that time to be, by, be, be with you. Amen. Uh, when we were singing, Be Still, um, the presence of the Lord, um, in verse 3, where it says, Be still for the presence of the Lord is moving in this place. He comes to heal, to minister his grace. No work too hard for him. In faith receive from him. 
be still for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. And I felt it. He's saying to us, he's telling us, no work's too hard for me. I can help you with everything. If you're cast down, then help me lift you up. If you need healing, then ask, just ask, keep asking. And thank you, Lord, that you provide all we need. You love us unconditionally and you provide for all of our needs in comfort and safety. Lord, your protection is beyond anything we've ever known. And I do pray that as we accept the power that is moving where we are now and just reach out to him in our circumstances, he will not disappoint. In Jesus' name, amen. Claire, who his love cannot remember. In other words, his love is so amazing that we can never forget it. It's with us every second of every day. Dear Lord, thank you. And uh, we're going to now uh, have communion with our children. So if we've got any parents there who've got children beside them, before they go to their groups, uh, we're going to share communion with you, children and uh, with Justin and Kaz, who are taking them, uh, and the young people. So with communion, we are remembering something that's happened in the past. Jesus died on the cross for our sins 2,000 years or so ago. That has happened. It was in the past. We're eating in the present because that past when Jesus died on the cross is so relevant and real in the present. And we feed on Jesus now in the present. Uh, we receive his love in the present. We eat his food in the present. And we look forward to the future because he said, Jesus said, I'm gonna eat this meal again with you guys when I'm in heaven. So in the future, we'll enjoy the banquet that uh, Jesus will have prepared for us in heaven when we arrive. So past, present and future, let's take and eat, young people and children, and uh, always remember this is Jesus that we give ourselves to and who gives himself to us. So take your bread and your red juice, remembering Jesus' body and his blood that was shed. Lord, we pray a blessing on our children and young people. Dear Father, Lord Jesus, you showed us how much you valued them. You took them in your arms, you blessed them. And uh, we do that figuratively now as a church, Lord. We take these children and young people into our hearts and uh, we uh, bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, everyone. Well, just to bring you up to date with uh, one of the projects that we support as a church and some folk we support as a church, you may remember that um, a while ago we uh, shared with you about the, the couple called Tresor and Fallon and their children, and they live in Malawi. So I'm just going to uh, enlarge this now. So, just to remind you, uh, here's a map which uh, shows you where they live. And they, uh, Lilongwe is the capital of Malawi, and just near uh, Lilongwe is this huge refugee camp of Dazalika. And it's uh, got over 41,000 inhabitants, and they come from the surrounding war-torn nations where people have had to escape with their lives and one couple um uh, Trezor and Fallon uh, they themselves are refugees from the Democratic Republic of Congo and they uh, uh, live in the camp and they also have been doing some training uh, with uh, a project called Foundations for Farming which is a great way of helping people to maximize their crops and also training with YWAM, Youth with a Mission in, in Blantyre and they have been sent out and commissioned to set up a YWAM base in the camp. <clears throat> now in uh, October in 2019 they purchased a plot of land and we helped them buy that plot of land and uh, here you can see the first fruits of their, uh, this is maize in bagged up in, in there, um, they, some of the first fruits of their first crop. <coughs> and they are bringing together a team of people to work together in uh, being a, a witness to, to Christ in the this huge refugee camp right in the middle of it. Now they have got a vision for uh, a physical base and uh, this is these are the uh, the plans for that base and <coughs> it's a little sort of artist impression of, of what it will look like and they uh, without any uh, particular resources except muscle power largely they began to take the step of faith as they started to lay the foundations for the base, uh, seeking God for the resources to complete the project. Now, we uh, this is uh, actually this is uh, about a month late. So, um, uh, but I'm going to read to you now what uh, Trezor wrote to us. We are so thankful uh, for standing with us in prayer and support. God is so good. We were praying for 56 million kwacha which in English money sounds a lot, doesn't it? In English money, it's five and a half thousand pounds for all the building, including the fence. And God has blessed us with all the amount for the building. Now we are praying for the transactions to start soon. So there's a, a, an issue around transferring the money from one bank to another and so on. When we receive the money, we will start building. We would like to ask you to be praying for us, for wisdom in our way of using the money and unity 
and love as a team. And we have already started with the plantation of the crops. So they're now into their second season. Uh, is, uh, I think that's his trezor there, uh, uh, planting uh, the crops. I think again, it's maize is their main, is their main cash crop that they, they grow. Uh, and uh, here he is in, in the field. And then just finished off with some of the prayer points just to uh, praise and prayer. So thanksgiving for the provision of the money to build the new YWAM center. Uh, we, Lord, we give you thanks for your provision and for the faith that they've had to start this project and to see you, Lord. You are able to supply above and beyond all that we ask and think for. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you will give them real wisdom, that they might maximise the use of the money, that they might use it well and effectively, Lord. We pray for true unity and love among the team, Lord. We pray that the enemy will not get in with his little foxes to divide, Lord, but we pray, Lord, for unity and love among the team, that your work might prosper among them. We pray for a really good growing season this year. Amen. Teach them, Lord, to learn from the lessons of the first crop and grant to them, Lord, we pray, an abundant harvest in their crops this year. And Lord, as we pray for a physical harvest in their crops, we pray for a rich harvest of souls as they witness to Jesus in the camp, this needy, needy area. We pray, Lord, that they will be a light for Jesus right in the heart of this camp. We thank you for them, Lord, and we continue to pray for them and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. We've got one notice, really. I think there's not a lot to share for this week. Just to say, next, next Sunday, we're looking forward to uh, welcoming our friend, Freddie Brooks, who is going to be uh, speaking uh, next Sunday morning as our visiting preacher. So uh, look forward to that together. Uh, unless anyone else has got any other notices or announcements that we need to hear, um, I'll just hand back to Sue. Just anything else that we need to be aware of at the moment? Okay. Okay, Sue. So, Right. Okay. Well, uh, we're delighted, Jeffrey, that you've uh, been press ganged and approved uh, to share with us uh, of our communion this morning. So, uh, Jeffrey, I hand straight over to you. And Lord, we thank you for Jeffrey and Margaret. And uh, Lord, we uh, are so appreciative of everything they have been and have shared with us while they've been in Livingstone. And uh, Lord, we pray now that you'll help them as they prepare for their move. But also, dear Lord, you're the God of the present. And so we pray that you'll give Jeffrey uh, clarity and wisdom as he shares what he's prepared with us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Sue. Um, as most of you know, soon we're moving house, probably next month or, the, or in May. In fact, over the last 40 years, we've moved house 10 times, and very often the move has come at a rather eventful time. 
Our first move together was nearly 40 years ago from Surrey to Horsham in Sussex in order to join with Colin Urquhart's ministry at Roffey Place. The day came when the contracts were ready for signing, but I was admitted as an emergency to the intensive care unit of Barks Hospital in London. And our solicitor was a bit dubious about proceeding, just in case I signed away our old house and didn't survive to complete the purchase of a new one. In that case, Margaret would have been homeless. But Margaret was quite clear this move was in the Lord's plan for our lives and we should go ahead. So we did. She drove up to Bart's with the documents. We signed. Uh, I was all linked up with monitors and stuff, but we, we signed and we asked the ward sister to witness the signatures. She did, and she said it was the first time she'd done that for one of her patients in the ICU. When moving day came, I was out of hospital and recovering. And for both of us, our involvement with Kingdom Faith Training College at Roffey was a time of learning. Margaret was part of the Tate Ministry team there. I commuted to London to work each day, but God met me very powerfully at Roffey one Easter. I gave up my job administering cancer research and became a member of the leadership team of a large church opposite the Oval Cricket Ground in London. So that was our second move. The move came the day before the Brixton riots in 1985. That Saturday evening, members of the church were phoning up to say the riot had just reached their street. Please pray. In the morning, the police were towing burnt out cars, one after another, past our front door. We stayed there for five years and learned a lot about God at work in different cultures. Our parish was one of the poorest in England, but it was also the home to Jim Callaghan, the former Prime Minister, and Jack Straw, the Home Secretary, as it was close to Parliament. So it was a real mixture. In fact, we lived for a while at the junction of what used to be known as Cutthroat Alley and what in our time the Daily Mail called Mugger's Mile. We were held up more than once at knife point in the church and once in our own home. But the Lord protected us and used our experiences to prepare us for the next stage. Our third move was from London to Jerusalem, and it came in the middle of the Gulf War. We had a bizarre final briefing, which we'll never forget, uh, in a cafe on King's Cross Station. I have no idea why that was chosen as the place, and it was surreal, as if we were going to Hogwarts. Our, our briefer explained that when a missile attack was incoming, if the missile was headed with uh, an explosive, you should go down to the basement. But if it was headed with a biological or chemical warhead, you should go up to the top floor. Or was it the other way around? I, 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 I'm puzzled. 
and, and I was puzzled then, and I asked, how would you know which it was before it landed? The briefer thought for a moment, then said, that's a very good question. He didn't have an answer. The next day, we were at home in Camberwell watching on television a missile attack on Tel Aviv. The packers came and said we had to turn off the telly for packing if we still wanted to go there. For reassurance, we had a fighter escort for our plane over the Mediterranean. When we landed at Ben Gurion Airport in Israel, we were given gas masks. An hour or two later, the sirens went off to warn us of an attack, and we had to put our briefing into practice and use our gas masks as one of Saddam Hussein's missiles landed in Tel Aviv. It was quite a welcome. But 20 years ago, when we arrived at our new home here in Eastbourne, this time the trauma was different. We waited outside the house all afternoon because we couldn't get the keys. So our furniture went into store overnight and next morning I got a speeding fine in Upperton Road in my hurry to get into our new home. I always give a wry smile when I pass that, uh, uh, that speed camera. So this is now our 10th move we're looking forward to. Preparing it for it while having cancer treatment this week in the middle of a COVID pandemic has been as eventful as ever. But God is with us. His word tells us our home is yet to come. Our new address will be in Forest Town, Mansfield. And God has something for us to do there. But our home is with Father. Jesus has gone ahead and he's promised to prepare a better place for us where there will be no tears or sickness or death. Our theme here at Living Stones this spring is Exodus, the story of Israel moving from Egypt to their promised home. They've been away from home for 430 years, ever since Jacob had moved down to Egypt in the famine. For us, it would be like going back to where our ancestors had lived in the reign of Elizabeth I before the Spanish Armada. What an incredible adventure that would be. And you're doing it on foot with about a million other people walking over mountains and across a barren desert. For them, the way home began as a slave in Egypt. Your oppressor doesn't want to let you go. He needs your help as slave labor to build the pyramids. And there's a series of nine miracles. But each time he says, no, I won't let you go. Then God tells Moses, this is going to be the beginning of a new year for you. And you know, that's what it is this very day in the biblical calendar. It is the first of Nisan 
in the lunar calendar, the biblical calendar, the first day of a biblical new year. Just when we are thinking about coming out of lockdown, when children have begun to go back to school. Moses says, you've got nine days to get ready. Then take a lamb into your home for five days. On the fifth night, the lamb is to be killed and you eat together. You put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, so death passes over your household. And as the first child in your family, you owe your life to that innocent lamb. The lamb that you got to know over those five days when it was sharing your home. And that, friends, is where we are today. On the first day of a new year, as we begin to come out of our captivity, remembering the Lamb who was slain for us. There are three aspects of our communion that I want us to think about together. Proclaiming, remembering, and participating. Writing to the church at Corinth, Paul says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In communion, we proclaim the Lord's death. We proclaim it to the principalities and powers on earth and in the heavenly realms. Jesus has died and we are set free. Just as back in Egypt, the Israelites placed the blood of the lamb over the door of each household to proclaim the lamb had died to set them free from the power of death. So as we take communion, we proclaim the Lord's death to set us free. At the beginning of his ministry, when Jesus read from the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue at Nazareth, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim release, freedom to the captives. After we came back from Jerusalem those years ago, I was invited to speak in Cambridge one Sunday morning. Before the service, I had a call from a Pentecostal pastor in Bury St. Edmunds. He said, while you're in the area, can you come over to Bury St. Edmunds and help us? He said, a couple in the congregation have been called to join YWAM and minister in Ukraine. The husband was a builder and a property developer. And he wanted to sell his properties before, and clear the decks before he left to share the gospel in Ukraine. He got rid of all his properties except for one. And that one he couldn't shift. It was a house 
in Hatters Lane. That street was the centre of the Jewish settlement in Bury St Edmunds centuries ago, and the pastor thought that might have something to do with it. Can you help us, he asked. So we agreed to go over that afternoon and meet the pastor, the builder, and four church leaders. We met in the house in Hatters Lane in Bury St Edmunds. We went inside and we prayed together, asking the Lord to lift his seal on the place and show us what was happening. Then I told each of the friends who was there with me to find a place in the house and stay there quietly. Just pray. After a while, one of them who was holding the post at the bottom of the stairs called out in alarm. Get away from the windows. The others began to describe what they could see. Horrifying scenes. People fleeing, being caught in the street in front and in the garden behind. And a child clinging to the stairpost in terror because he could smell fire. The picture that was revealed was the scene 800 years earlier. On Palm Sunday, the abbot had preached a viciously anti-Semitic sermon in the abbey. After the service, the townspeople streamed out of the abbey, caught the Jews, lynched them in the streets and set fire to their property. 56 Jews were killed that day in this one town. And it happened in this street. The Jews who survived were banned from ever living there again. And a hundred years later, the Jews were banished from all England. We confessed our sins and the sins of our fathers as Daniel did in Babylon at the time of the captivity. We asked the Lord for forgiveness, for anti-Semitism, even in the church, for persecuting Jesus' own people. Then we took communion together. After we drank the wine, we anointed the doorposts with the wine, proclaiming the death of Jesus, his forgiveness and release from sin. Whatever bound that place was released. The property was quickly sold and the builder was set free. He went to proclaim the gospel with YWAM. Today, as we share communion, we proclaim the death of Jesus. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If we, are, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and release us from anything that has bound us in the past. If we found it difficult to 
forgive ourselves, then we can know his freedom and his forgiveness as we confess our sins and receive the bread and the wine together and proclaim his death until he comes. So first, proclaiming. Then secondly, remembering. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We're remembering a person and specific events that happened at a specific point in time and space in Jerusalem in about 30 AD. We're not remembering a theory or a myth, but a person, Jesus, who lived, was tried, and condemned to death. He rose from the dead, and there were hundreds of witnesses to it. It all began with a meal with his friends. Then they went out to the Mount of Olives. At the foot of the Mount of Olives, there was an oil press, an olive press, to press the fruit of the olives and make olive oil. That's why it was called Gethsemane in Hebrew. And here is the place today. Rob will read what happened next from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 13 and verse 32. They came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John with him. He plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. He told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell to the ground and prayed for a way out. Papa, Father, you can, can't you, get me out of this? Take this cup away from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? He came back and found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, you went to sleep on me. Can't you stick it out with me for a single hour? Stay alert, be in prayer so you don't enter the danger zone without even knowing it. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything in God. But another part of you is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. He went back and prayed the same prayer. Returning, he again found them sound asleep. They simply couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't have a plausible excuse. He came back a third time and said, are you going to sleep all night? No, you've slept long enough. Time's up. The son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. My betrayer has arrived. When Jesus was arrested, he was taken to Caiaphas' house. To get there, he had to cross the Kidron Valley and climb up the other side. There are still today these stone steps that are over 2,000 years old. They lead up from the valley of Kidron to the church called St. Peter in Gallicantu. St. Peter, where the cock crowed. The 19th century church was built on the ruins of a much earlier church, 
And that in turn was built on the ruins of an even earlier church. Climb down inside the crypt today and below those ruins, you reach a cave in the rock. There are two stone pillars from floor to ceiling where a prisoner could be tied and lashed. Behold, below is a dark pit where a prisoner could be held overnight. We read Luke chapter 22 from verse 54. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they'd kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I'm not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he'd said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. The crowd then took Jesus to Pilate and demanded that he be crucified. Pilate said, why, I see no wrong in him. Then Pilate washed his hands of the matter and handed Jesus over to the Roman soldiers for execution. They took him to the place of the skull, Golgotha. Paul We'll read from Luke 23, verse 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen one of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, 
and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now, when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off beholding these things. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counsellor, and he was a good man and a just, and he had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. And this man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulchre that was hewn in stone, wherein man never before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. Outside the old city wall, there is a garden. Above it is a rocky outcrop, shaped like a skull. The garden must have been owned by a rich man as he dug a deep cistern to keep a water supply for the trees. At the side of the garden, there is a tomb cut into the hillside. The stone is rolled away, and inside there is a long stone table cut into the rock on which a body could be laid. We don't know for sure if this was the place where Jesus was laid, 
But the point is, the tomb is empty. Christ is risen. There were hundreds of witnesses of the risen Lord. And we are witnesses in our generation. So we move from remembering to participating. Have you got your bread and wine or juice to hand? Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 6, and to the Jews who were there, Truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. And as we take this bread and this wine, we are participating with the whole church, with those who have gone before through all time, with our brothers and sisters worldwide, some in China and Iran, sharing this food today in secret, some on their own, some in large gatherings. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. We repent of all our sins. We thank you, Lord, that by your death on the cross, you have paid the price of our redemption. We proclaim that by your death, we are set free from all condemnation. Hallelujah. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this 
as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. May the blood of the Lord Jesus poured out for us on the cross in Jerusalem keep our souls and bodies in eternal life. Amen. Thank you very much, Geoffrey. Um, it's always amazing and interesting to hear your stories. And uh, uh, thank you for those three points as well. We proclaim, we remember, and we participate. And uh, we've done all three of those together today. Thank you for leading us. Thank you. Okay, everyone. Well. I want to pray over uh, all of us as the family of God. Our Father in heaven, as we are gathered together in the presence of Christ, the living, the living, real presence of Christ, mm. who has come as Jesus said, I will come to you and you have come. Your spirit is with us. The spirit of the crucified and risen Lord Jesus is with us. Just as we as we pray, pray now. We, we reach out in our hearts to say, Jesus, you are here in my home. You are here. This is your dwelling place. But not just in my home. You are in my heart. You have taken up your dwelling place in my life. And it's because of your grace. You're, because when you were sweating those drops of blood in that garden, you prayed, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You went through it for us that we might be spared the punishment that we deserve so that you took it in your own body when you were crucified you shed your blood your body was broken and we want to say to the principalities and powers that hate everything that jesus stands for and all he did we say to you today we have proclaimed jesus to you the crucified risen and ascended lord jesus who will one day come back to receive us to himself here O heavens jesus is lord and lord we also remember we have remembered together all that you 
have done. And Lord, we are a walking, living remembrance of Jesus as we participate in this meal together. And as we go forth from here, we are a reminder to the world that we are the Jesus people. And it's Jesus's name that we testify to, that he is the crucified, risen and ascended Lord Jesus to whom we belong and to whom one day every knee will bow. So we not only remember together, but we are a remembrance to the world. And Lord, we thank you that we also participate together. We thank you for this. We've not been able to share the loaf physically today. But Lord, we share in the body of Christ. We are his body. And we thank you, Father, that you have not created us singly and individually as your personal disciples, but you have brought us together as a body, as a people, as your family. Lord, we are one in Christ Jesus as we participate together in his name. So, Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us, for the hope that you have set in our hearts that just as Christ has died and was risen and is now in glory so also we in Christ have died we are risen and one day we will share your glory in reality just as your glory is actually upon us even today marred uh, not marred veiled from many but one day to be revealed lord how we bless you and thank you lord touch our hearts today with the the great depth and reality of our salvation in christ jesus and send us forth in this week to come in the in the joy and the confidence that comes from knowing him and being known by him. Lord, we want to pray blessing on Jeffrey and Margaret. Lord, it's going to be a wrench when we have to say goodbye. But Lord, you are preparing the way for them. You are opening up for them a new pasture where they will not only be fed, but no doubt you will, by your grace, will cause, give them the opportunity to feed and nurture and encourage others. And Lord, we, we will be sad to see them go, but we want to give thanks to you for their time with us. And Lord, so bless them in this still as they are preparing and, and, and no doubt all sorts of bits and pieces need to be done in readiness for their move. Lord, grant them peace in their hearts, your leading and guiding as they step into this new phase in their life. Lord, we bless them in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Can we all um, 
uh, where you are, uh, I, don't, I won't ask you to unmute, but let's say the words of the grace together to finish. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.